Welcome to the Seth Campbell Podcast. This show is to equip you with real-world tactics to improve your leadership skills, build your wealth, and cause you to leave a multi-generational impact on your world. My name is Seth Campbell. I'm your host, and I'm excited to share with you episode number 19, the three greatest negotiating tips that I've ever learned. Look forward to this episode with you. Okay, so we're going to jump right in today to the three greatest negotiating tips I've ever learned in building businesses for many years and coaching a lot of other great business owners out there. And we're going to run right through it. You're going to want to take some notes and you'll be able to download the show notes. Go to sethcampbell.com and we'll also have these typed out for you in case you're driving and you should not be writing. Okay, so tip number one in negotiating is no triggers. That's you not getting triggered. And what do we mean by that? You probably understand what I mean by not getting triggers, where you lose your cool, you lose your temper, you say something that you didn't mean to say. So many negotiations break down purely based on emotion and based on ego, based on fear, based on being offended, all of these triggers. And I'll, I'll break down what's behind it so that hopefully you don't have to just try to resist because that's very difficult to do is just bite your tongue, so to speak. When you really understand and are aware of what causes triggers in yourself and in others, then you can have this level of awareness that you probably can avoid it a lot better. Now, the world of getting triggered is a very deep subject and it's very nuanced and we can go a lot into it. So I'm gonna give you some of the bigger pieces here. Remember, typically when somebody's triggered or you get triggered or the other side gets triggered, now, typically what happens when you get triggered or somebody else gets triggered is because there's a story that's already been formed either in your head or in the other person's head. And what happens is you look for evidence of that story happening that you created. And then you're like, there it is. You're doing it. I knew you were going to do that. That's what's happening inside your head. So let's break that down a little bit further. Let's say you and I are negotiating on something. And I am thinking like, man, I know, I know he's going to really expect me to do this and this. I know she always was demanding about this, or she only cares about this. So what I'm doing is I'm creating a story in my head based on some observation of you over the past. Even if I don't know you that way, I have some judgment, some idea, and I'm making an assumption pretty much actually about you as a person more than even just your tactics. It's, oh, they're selfish or they're this. I'm almost making these really terrible identity statements, which are the most dangerous statements you can ever make internally about you. And then the other person will be doing that to you also. And then what happens is you may just say one little sentence. I'm like, boom, there it is. See, you really only care about yourself. And I may not say all this out loud, Inside, I might be saying like, there it is, selfish, only cares about itself, doesn't really care about me, doesn't understand my position, doesn't da, 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 da. And now I'm offended or I'm triggered or I've just lost my cool. So the, the best way to prevent triggers is to walk in with no baggage, walk into the conversation without any stories of the other person, without any fear, without any assumptions, without any beliefs towards what their ultimate intentions are. Remember, the moment you're, you're stating or believing what somebody else's intention is, you probably already lost. And I don't mean that just in negotiating, you probably lost in a relationship, 
you've lost in life, you've lost in a lot. Too often we, we assume other people's intention attached to some action or words we heard. And the truth is you don't really know their intention. Look in the mirror. Have you ever said the words, I didn't really mean it that way. Okay. Then your actions didn't line up with what the person thought of your intentions. We do that all day long, man. It was never my intention to hurt that person. It was never my intention to do that. I just did something stupid. Okay, cool. How about then we just say you did something stupid and I don't think that you are a bad person. I don't question your intention. I don't think you're greedy or selfish or this or that, all those labels. So do you see there's somebody took an action or a series of actions. We added on top of that, some assumptive level of what their intention is or what their character is. And then we walk into a negotiation with that individual and boom triggers. Now. I should take a moment to say, what do we mean by negotiation? Does it have to be a business acquisition, a big business deal, a buy or sale? Absolutely not. If you have kids, you negotiate all day, every day. Can I have one more hour of screen time? Can I stay up late tonight? Can my friend come over? Can I this? That's negotiating. So don't just keep this in the business context. It's you negotiate probably a hundred times a day. So the more you can walk in to those conversations without the assumptions, without the beliefs on what their intentions are and listen to the conversation for what's actually just being talked about, nothing added to it, you're going to be pretty triggerless. And that's when you get powerful in a negotiation because it's very clear in negotiations, whoever gets overly emotional, and I'm careful to say what that means, overly emotional, because overly emotional people get offended, but I'm just kidding. I'm careful to say what that means all, all by that is if you ever heard of like in war times, they talk about this equal response. Oh, they blew up the building. So we're going to blow up a building. An overreaction in a war is, oh, they blew up a building. So we're going to blow up the whole country. That's the, it's a correlative response. So if your emotions are the ones that are higher energy or further out than all the other emotions that have been in that conversation so far, you're probably overreacting. That's how you'd measure an overreaction or not. If everybody's talking at one tone and you're suddenly talking in a very loud or different tone, you now have gone out of the norm of that energy of that conversation. So whoever does that in a negotiation almost always loses, almost always doesn't get what they ultimately want and things break down. So enter point number one, no triggers. Let me walk in. I don't even have to hype myself up. Okay. They're really a good person. They really have good intentions. You got to do that. If you're really negative towards them, maybe you have to do that to balance it. The best thing is like, they want something. I want something. Let's make this happen. Like I got no judgment on them. I don't think about their past. I don't think about their tone. I don't think about anything. None of it offends me. If they get loud, they call me a bad name. Okay. They call me a bad name. I'm not going to add any other meaning to that. Oh, that means I'm a bad person. That means they don't respect me. That means they're mean. That means they're rude. That means they have no manner. I'm not even going to do any of that. I'm just be like, okay, call me a bad name. And you see how calm I am and I'm going to keep going. So that's going to be very powerful. And it almost always diffuses the other person because when they do something that's out of bounds and you don't respond to the same level, you can bring it back very maturely and hopefully progress in the conversation. And the most important measurement, I'm going to give you like a measurement <clears throat> on how, whether or not you're achieving these principles. How do I know that I've achieved no trigger ultimate measure is you could actually defend their position as if you were negotiating for them because you know it so well. 
Now that sounds, well, that's a little bit different than what you said. It's not, it is fully understanding them without your added on assumptions so much that you can actually, you could actually get up and debate for them. You could actually get up and negotiate for them as if you were their agent. If you can't do that, you're not ready for this negotiation. If you can't fully be in their shoes, then your guard is still up. Your compassion is down. And the greatest negotiation you can have is compassion for the other side an understanding. You may not agree with it, may not like it, may not want to go with it, yet in your heart, you can understand why they are requesting what they're requesting. And you can understand that. You have compassion. One of the greatest debate tactics, if you ever go to debating school, the greatest training they have is, okay, now defend the other side and debate that vigorously. And when you learn how to debate the other side, what you disagree with, you should practice this. Pick your political party and the thing that you can't stand that the other side is saying, and then actually go and understand it so well, you could actually get up and debate it and defend it and speak for it. And the crazy part is when you do that, you really start to understand how other people are and you realize, I mean, I don't necessarily agree with that particular belief or that, that thought yet I, as a human, I get it. I get them. That's the most powerful place to be when you're negotiating is you get them as a human. So point number one, no triggers. That's walking in with no baggage is the how. And then the measurement is I could actually defend their position. I know it so well. And when you get there, you actually care about the other person so much. You're probably not going to get triggered because you have no longer made assumptions about their intentions because you actually understand their intentions from defending their side internally. Okay. Point number two, be clear on what your outcome is and flexible on the how that you get there. So be clear on what your outcome is clear on your outcome and flexible on how you get there. This is probably the number one thing I see break down in negotiations is people actually are negotiating the how I need to do this, then this, and then you're going to do this. Like, and, and there's this weird phenomenon and that's very hard for two hows to match up. It is much easier for two people to come to some common outcome or you get this, I get this, you do this, I do this outcome. It's the how that muddies the water. I see so many, so many negotiations break down, particularly those personal ones, like with the kids or the spouse break down on fighting over a how. And some of this is linked to, depending on what your behavior profile is, if your behavior profile naturally leans itself towards an outcome or an information results, and some other people's behavior profile leans itself more towards a natural lean on process and, and how it looks along the way or what it feels like along the way. If you're one of those people like process or looks or how it feels along the way, you're going to find yourself like putting those out as points of contention or needs or debate. And you could actually get so lost in that sea of how the process needs to work itself out that you never actually get your intention or you end up just killing the negotiation because the other side doesn't get there. The, the truth is all too often, probably the number one mistake I see in negotiations is we enter the conversation with thinking like, okay, here's the result I want. I want to get to, I want to get to Toledo and I'm going on a ride and th here's the three ways I can get there. And now like I need to negotiate 
that. So my request to you, if we're negotiating is, could you drive me there? Or could you give me a plane ticket there? Or could you get me this bus ticket there? And I might be thinking like, no to planes, trains, automobiles. And yet there might be another way. Does that make sense? And you don't actually talk as much about getting to Toledo as you do about, but just give me the money or just give me this, or don't you care? Do you see how that works? And we could fight over that. Maybe I don't have the money. Maybe I don't have this. However, if it was like, I need to get to Toledo, can you help me? Maybe I got somebody there that will come here and pick you up. Who knows? I'm just making this stuff up as I go, but understand you want to walk into a negotiation very clear on your outcome, flexible on your how. Sometimes you walk in, especially if you're negotiating with somebody who you perceive as further out than you, maybe you're negotiating with the bank for more money, you're negotiating with an investor for a capital infusion, you're negotiating with a boss or a leader for a bigger role or a new raise or something like that. If you have one of those, this person's a, has a higher level hierarchy than me in this conversation, you tend to walk in with your big plan and I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do this, and then you do this, da, 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 da. and that person may not act, you may actually say something in your plan that they just decided in the back room, like we're gonna kill that project or we're never gonna do that or we're not gonna use that service anymore. And you're talking about how you're gonna use that service to help the company, this and that. So you can kill a negotiation with your how and instead flip back to this, I, I need to get to Toledo, help me figure that out. I was negotiating with a, a real simple thing with a technology company actually just yesterday. And they had this thing, oh, we can turn this on, but it's gonna be $500 a month. And it's the day we turn it on, we start charging and I need a development team to work on it. And I said, my developers are working on other stuff right now. And, and they're like, hey, are you ready to sign? Are you ready to sign? I said, no, because my developers are working on other stuff right now. And so I don't wanna pay next month I'm not, I'm not so worried about $500, but why waste it? I don't want to pay next month. And then it takes them another month to even start working on it. Then another month to even put out a project. And I wanted to say, look, this is crazy. I've never seen a company that wanted to charge the moment they turn something on. They typically, when we have to develop a software or something, an integration with somebody, there's a fee for using the integration data that we use. It's like when the product's ready, they start charging, like when it goes live, so to speak. And I, I wanted to tell them that I wanted to tell them their, how was jacked up and it made no sense and how all their competitors don't do that. And then I remember this conversation, these tips, and I just simply said, here's my issue. Can you help me? And my issue is like, my developers aren't ready. And even when they are, it's going to take another month. And I almost said, it doesn't make sense to me that you want to charge with you. But I left that out. I just said, here's what I ultimately want. I want to get started. And what's in my way is paying for it when I'm not going to use it. And we have this deadline Friday. We need to know like what your answer is. So I said, here's, here it is. Can you help me? Give me some thoughts. Give me your advice. That's what I, that's what I typed in the email. Give me your advice. How would you solve this problem? And, and guess what? I just got an email back about an hour ago says, Hey, we had a meeting. We're going to waive the first three months. You ready to go? Yes. I didn't insult them. I didn't do anything. I just said, here's my problem. I want this destination. Here's my struggle. You tell me how to get there. So I want to go to Toledo. End of sentence. 
not like I looked at the car, it's gonna be this many miles, I can take this risk, and take this long, and then here's the airplane cost, and I did all this, and, 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 and I just need this much money, or just me this. I didn't do any of that. I just said, here's my destination. Here's why I'm stuck. Can you help me? Boom, three months free. Be flexible on the how, put it in the other person's hands, be clear on your destination, and watch how quickly you stop negotiating because the other side will just solve it for you and help you get there. They may come up with an idea. I was hoping for a free month. I didn't even ask for it. I, that would have been asking for the how. I just said, oh, here's the destination. Here's why I'm stuck. They gave me three months. I'm taking it and running. So think about that. Number two, be clear on your outcome. Be flexible on the how. Now the test on that to know if you're there or not is simply what I said. What are you talking most about? Are you typing out the extra how? Are you saying the extra how? This is exactly what I need to happen. This is, the, this is what I need you to do. This is what I need from you. If you're doing that, then you're probably in the how. Catch yourself and say, am I just talking about the destination and kind of requesting their help on the how? Help me solve this. Now I've brought you into my world. We're working together on my issue and you're helping me buy something that you wanna sell. See how easy that is? So that's a really good one. And then finally, the third one, probably the most powerful one I ever learned for real high stakes, real serious, real emotionally charged type negotiations. This one I actually learned in a neuro-linguistic programming class and it's called, they call it chunking up. Really means going bigger picture. Let me set the stage real quick for how, how we practice this in the class. It was wild. It was wild. They literally gave us lists of, I'm talking about the most controversial debates, fights ever. Like it was like, I'm pro and, and they would pair us up. Okay. You're pro-abortion. You're anti-abortion. You are for the death penalty. You're against the death penalty. You are for abortion that involves somebody being raped. You actually think abortion should be banned no matter. We're talking about stuff that you don't even want to say. You don't even want to ask about whatever you don't ever talk about politics or religion. Like it was that stuff. It was a long list. It was crazy. And then they're like, okay, and you got to defend that side vigorously. And this was like, there's not a lot of negotiating on that because these are, you know, highly charged subjects. And then one, you know, the third person got to be the observer. And what they taught us was they called, like I said, chunking up, which really is just going bigger picture. And what would happen is. I would start talking and I would be calm, kind of that no triggers, right? No assumptions. And I would be working my way towards just understanding. And I'd be asking you questions. Tell me about why, what about abortion really bothers you? Say I was pro-abortion, you're anti-abortion. And, and I would just keep asking. And this kind of theme of for what intention, for what purpose, that would be like the follow-up question. I'd really disagree with it. I just think it's wrong and it kills and okay so for what intention like what about that is important to you and i would keep digging and what would happen is you would go bigger picture every time the idea of what's the purpose behind that what's your motivation behind that what's your intention behind that what is your belief behind that those are questions that bring you not closer to the ground or to the subject but higher up chunking or going bigger picture on what your beliefs are and you would eventually get to, I just think it's wrong and it's, it's bad. And then if I keep saying for, okay, for what intention and that, what do you want? Well, I, well, I want people to not do that. Okay. For what intention? I just want people to do this and that, and you would get 
to something like it's better for humanity or it's better for the planet or it's better for the world or it serves God or it contributes to society. If you go big picture enough on anything that you're hardcore about, you're going to end at some altruistic, very high level world peace, contribution to humanity, change the world. You're going to end there somewhere. I care about my family, care about my friends. And then what would happen is you'd be like, okay, cool. And then the other side would start doing the same thing, or you would start telling your story. If there was no like observer, you weren't following, you weren't following this exercise. What would happen is the other side would start doing the same thing. And guess what? I'd end up saying the same answers. It's crazy. I'd end up getting up to somewhere that's, I care about the, the earth too. I care about human humanity too, or for contribution or for what you do is you keep going bigger picture until you match. You actually find a common ground and the common ground may be, I, I just love people and care about people. I want world peace. And now you begin talking. So I want that too. So if we were alone and we were doing this and I knew this tactic and I was just asking you, I was really getting in your shoes and really getting to know you and just kept, and, and I got to do this with care and compassion. Cause I just keep asking this question and be like, dude, what do you ask me all these questions? Let's just talk about the issue here. I'm saying, no, I really want to get to know you. I really want to understand where you're coming from. I care about people and I don't want to just walk in and debate this. Would you mind if I just really got to understand you and where you're coming from first? Okay. That's cool. It's respectful. So now I'm going to say, okay, what about that? What, what purpose? What, what's your intention with that? What, how come? What about that? Tell me more about that. And you're going to get to what do you, what do you really want? I really want. I really want people to have the best life ever and say, and I would be like, that's awesome. I really want people to have the best life ever too. That's exactly that, the funny thing is that's my motivation to have the opposite belief. And you both laugh and you like, and you almost get to this agree to disagree. And it's like the space of it's funny. Like I want the same thing. I just think that, and what it is, it's back to point number two. You actually match on the outcome. I want people to have the best life ever. You disagree on the how. I think how you get there is freedom of choice. I think how you get there is preserving life, whatever it may be. We can disagree on the how, but the funny part is when we match at a very high level, altruistic, humanistic level, the fight's almost over. And this will be really great with your kids, with your spouse, with anybody that you have a, a deeper relationship with is it will cause you to agree. Yeah, that's what I want too. And I can understand how you get there because you just walk me through it. I, I, I think differently. I think there's a different path to get there. Funny part is maybe both paths get there and we don't need to fight about this anymore. We can actually just work together towards the same outcome yet agree to disagree on some of the path on the way there. Maybe they both get there. Or one side flexes a little bit and says, you know what? I think your way might actually be a better path to getting towards people living to their best life, best life possible. I'm open to that. And what happens is you're no longer offended because I'm throwing at you a how or what to believe. And it feels like we're on opposite sides of the universe. And the craziest part is a hundred percent of the time this works. If you chunk up high enough, you'll both be the same. I'm telling you, it sounds crazy. This could be your mortal enemy they always fight with 
if you go big picture enough, you're going to find the same desire, same thing you ultimately want an altruistic kind of contribution to humanity. So those, that's tactic number three, chunk up and really have patience, right? I put it number three, because if you get triggered, you ain't going to make it that far. If you are not clearing your outcome and you're all into your how, clearly you're not going to get there because this is all about the opposite of how is really just getting to a higher level of outcome. Like, I don't want to just go to Toledo. I want to explore. Oh, I want to explore too. So I got to, I'll stop insulting Toledo. No offense, Toledo. I'll stop insulting Toledo and I respect the explorer. That's not where I'd go, but I'm just kidding. I just made that up, but I've been there. It's great. And yet I can, can you see how easily that, that lets all the fight go? So those are the three greatest negotiating. And remember negotiating is a conversation with a desired outcome with anybody, spouses, kids at work for business, big deals, all of it. Three greatest negotiating tips I ever learned. No triggers. Be clear on, on what your outcome is, flexible on your how, and chunk up. Go big picture. With that, I will let you go. Thank you for listening to the Seth Campbell Podcast. Go forth and prosper. I love you. And reach out. Don't forget to go to SethCampbell.com and connect with me on our Facebook group, private Facebook group, the Seth Campbell Podcast, and we can interact and talk about these episodes. Also, drop some questions on there because I'm going to do a live Q&A session up here in a couple of episodes. Thanks, everybody.